Today's show brought to you by our friends at the Delphi Racing Club. You're going to he be hearing more about them as the show goes on. But I did want to drop uh, the information that there's some new inventory in the Adelphi Racing Club based on this very promising looking at Lucky Colt. They bought out of the two-year-old in training sale. Chance to get involved and become part of this very unique partnership experience that allows you insider access, a bunch of cool extra uh, content, on your runners and really allows you to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. It's a true, it's a true racing club. And you know, I believe in it because as you'll hear in a little bit, I'm involved. I've got an ownership stake, not just reading ads at this point with my friends at Adelphi racing club. And I've been really impressed with the experience. I think you will be too. To learn more, go to the website, adelphiracing.com. That URL, adelphiracing.com. Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Monday, June 6th, our Belmont Week kickoff, brought to you by our friends at Adelphi Racing. PTF here back in the Brooklyn bunker once again. Very happy to be joined by a special guest who I think uh, we got a whole lot of things to talk about. We'll try not to spend the whole time talking about the Islanders. I can't make any promises, <laughs> but given that it's Belmont Week, we'll try to stay a little bit on target he is an actor, he is a director, he's a producer, he's a podcaster, he's Kevin Connolly. What's going on, my man? What's happening? Thanks for having me. Well, there's so many places to potentially start, but I'm going to go right, I'm, I'm going to go for, for a little bit of a, of a deep cut with you okay. and talk about uh, your role in the Secretariat film, where you portrayed one of my literary heroes, uh, a guy known as uh, William Knack, Bill Knack. Did you get the chance to, to to meet the great man? How did you prepare for your portrayal of him? Yeah, I mean, Bill Knack was um, he was heavily involved with the with the producers and the production of Secretariat. So um, it just so happened that the guy that I was playing was also uh, a consultant on the film. So um, no pressure around, or anything. He was around and and never and and never uh, short uh, with stories. He he always had his his fill of stories and. Uh, he certainly could uh, light up the room. That's for sure. How did that role come about? Um, okay. So uh, Mark Charity, uh, who was the producer, he produced Secretariat, Miracle, Million Dollar Army. He's like the sports movie guy. Um, he and I had known each other. We had done um, a film called, we did a big shot, which is a, a 30 for 30 in ESPN, the documentary about the honors. We'd worked together a bunch and um yeah, man, he was he, he was he was a cool dude. So I, I went in and I met with him and the director, and uh, away we went. It was fun. I immediately regretted the sideburns because <laughs> while it's fun on the first day, you know, eight nine weeks later, you still got those sideburns. You're like, oh man, it was tough. Did people treat you like a man out of time? You know, or they, they just it just was. By the end of it, I was like, my god, I was like counting the seconds till I could get in there and shave that off. But, you know, like the, the makeup guy was like, listen, man, you, you know, you don't want to be in here putting this on every day and then having to take it off. And it just makes a mess out of your face. So you just got to suck it up and live with it. Um, I guess it's better now that it's uh, immortalized on film. But it, uh, it was uh, it was rough walking around like that on the weekends. Did, was there a bunch of prep involved? Did you read his original book? Did you like, you know, how, how, how method did you go with this but, thing? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't go like that. So super method. I actually was uh, he was just an interesting guy all around because, you know, he wrote for uh, Sports Illustrated and Newsday. So he had covered the Islanders a bunch. Yeah. So he and I had he had plenty of uh, Islander stories to talk about. So that's what I was saying. Bill Knack, as, as accomplished as he was um, in the horse racing world. He was also just a good journalist, good sports journalist. Oh, one of the best. I mean, just forget one of the best sports writers, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best writers, period. And I had the chance to rub elbows with him a few times. And any chance I get to bring that name up on these on these Bill airways. Mack. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know I'm going to do it. You of know course. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Let's you know, talk about. Too, because we got to shoot at all the tracks. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We shot, at, we shot at Churchill Downs. We, we really we really did it. We really did it up. So we, we got the full experience. Uh on that film. And, you know, the other funny thing too, we always laughed around was, you know, we joked about was how well these horses were treated 
by by how serious Disney took. Which I mean, these horses get treated better than the actors. <laughs> you know, they took really, really, really good care of these animals and um, and and went out of their way like next level to ensure ensure their safety, which I appreciated also. Well, I got you here, and and we're talking about visiting racetracks as part of uh, as part of your work as an actor. I got to bring up Entourage right. because I do remember there's at least one racetrack themed episode where the, where the crew goes to to Del, Del Mar. Mar. Well, yeah. yeah, what was that experience like? Oh man, that was fun. You know, that was one. You know, where the whole crew we traveled all we traveled down there like a, like a road show. We we're like a band. The whole crew drove down. We stayed in the hotel. And, um, you know, we shot that live, right? So anytime that was, those were all real people and it was just kind of in the real crowd, which can sometimes get uh, a little bit complicated. But when you, when we, we watched that episode recently and we were just looking at the scope of it and the size of it and just what a beautiful, massive track Del Mar is. It's gorgeous place and, and so much fun. Do you get to, uh, do you get to racetracks much these days? You know, um, we went to Santa Anita recently um, a couple of weeks ago, and we're actually going back to Santa Anita on Father's Day, uh, oh, which I think is might be the closing day. But um, you know, we, we go to the track, and, you, and you're you're reminded um, of how fun it can be, because you know, listen, there's of course there's the degenerate version of betting on horses, <laughs> but there's also you can bet a dollar on a horse. You can bet, you know what I mean? It to me, it's it, it, you don't have to bet your life savings on on the horses, right? Like I have this memory of that as a kid because you know we <laughs> we'd spend a lot of time in otv my dad would say don't tell your mother don't tell your mother we stopped at an otv and i can just remember being in this like you know in those days you could smoke inside right just remember being in this glass box <laughs> with like a bunch of dudes smoking cigarettes inside the place and then you know the race ends and the, the tickets all get thrown on the floor and it's just like cursing so in the back of my head i was like the gambling part of it you know, and then I went and I was like, listen, it doesn't have to be that way. You can go and you can have a great time betting on the horses for a couple hundred bucks, hundred, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, you know. Um, so that's why, you know, I, it, it was fun. And that's why we, I want to get back to uh, Santa Anita one more time before uh, before they take off for Del Mar. I love that. I think it's a great, a great idea. It's what I'd be doing with my father's day. If I wasn't, you know, get out the, you can get out the world's smallest violin for this one. I'm going to miss it because I'm going to be over at Royal Ascot, which is, and father's day will be the Sunday after. So right. we're going to, we'll, we'll reschedule father's day. for <laughs> I think Sounds good. Gonna do, that. Sounds good. <laughs> do you mention rewatching that episode recently? I did want to ask you about uh, the victory podcast, which I've really been enjoying. What, what can you tell folks about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it started off, you know, I started this company, Action Park Media, and, you know, we're putting together a bunch of podcasts, and I, I just had the idea, I mean, that, you know, these shows, these recap shows are very popular, right? And, and, if, and if your show had a fan base, people do like to take a trip down memory lane. Entourage obviously has a very loyal fan base. So, you know, we started off just kind of, you know, covering episodes and talking about it, and then that sort of evolved into, you know, bringing people in uh, that were involved in the show, whether it's a director or, you know, a cinematographer or, or whatever, whatever it is. And um, yeah, man, we've, we've been, we've been having a great time. We've done 150 episodes of it, uh, one a week, and uh, it's been a blast. What's it like watching work that you did? Gosh, it's, I suppose it's over a decade yeah. ago now. How, what's that experience like as a broadcast? Well, it's funny how, how, how you forget, right? So, and it's funny, you got Doug Allen who wrote and created the show, Kevin Dillon and, and myself, and we're sitting there, we're watching and we're like, holy shit, I can't wait to see what happens next episode. Like we, <laughs> we're literally at the point where we don't know, like certain things I'm like, oh, I know what happens next, but there's other times <laughs> where episodes end and I'm like, I have no idea what happens. I'm kind of curious, we we'll have to go back. But it's been, it's been great and you realize, you know, it's been uh, years since I've seen some of these episodes, 10 years, you know, it's not something that you sit around and watch all the time. So um, it's, it's been a, a, this is your life moment as well. Do you like watching your work generally? I go back and forth as a broadcaster. Sometimes I love listening back to hear how I've improved or think of what I could do better. And then other times I just find it cringy. Oh, I wish I'd done X, Y, Z. What's worst, it like? The worst, worst thing, absolute worst thing in the world. And it's funny because I can just now start looking back at even secretariat or, or anything that I do. I, once you create, once you create a little distance, you're not as hard on yourself. So I'm really enjoying Entourage for the first time right now because I, I would never watch it. I never wa would watch it when it was on. 
some people like that. It's just, it's, it's just, I'm with you. It's just like, oh God. And then you want you start changing things and, and sometimes changing things aren't good. Right. So, um, you know, yeah, it, George it, I Lucas. really need to create a little space between, between when I film something and when I watch it. What are your, we'll, we'll put your own work aside. What are your favorite horse racing movies? Well, uh, obviously, you know, Secretariat uh, plays close to my heart. Um, and, uh, you know, Seabiscuit, obviously, my buddy, uh, Toby's an old buddy of mine. Sure. And um, I remember, you know, him going through that. And that was an excellent movie as well. Although, I think it's safe to say that Secretariat smashes Seabiscuit in a race. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying what movie was better, but I think we know who wins that race, especially at the Belmont. Oh, that's funny. There's some story. Isn't there some story about Toby Maguire get it dealing having to deal with like some sort of injury in Yeah yeah I think he I, he had a he had a back he had a back problem going in and I think it kind of irritated it but Toby's tough so he, you know he he got through it and went on to do a couple more Spider-Mans so yes. uh yeah but yeah no he did he was having he was having trouble with his back Yeah I would think that uh I, I would think that, you know, the, the physical, the physical demands of even just as an actor playing a, a jockey, there's still well, like considerations. He lost a bunch of, I mean, dude, he was scary to look at. I mean, it's <laughs> like, dude, come on, man, eat something, please. Nobody's going to notice. So you'll be in there, you know, you'll be in that, you'll be in your, your jockey uniform, you know, but he, he really went all the way with it. And uh, man, he, 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 he went full. He went, he went full. He went deep. He went full method method. on that one. <laughs> we obviously this is Belmont Stakes Week. Growing up in this area, I know this is a race you've uh, you've attended on uh, more than one occasion. How many Belmonts have you been to? Oh, we used to go every year. We used to go every year. That was like what we did. We would go into the camping ground, like the, which which is now, by the way, the Islanders Arena. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. that's that's where we go. We'd set up uh set up the blanket, and, you know, um, and then uh, watch the horses. It was a fun family thing to do. Any particular Belmonts that you remember attending? I want to say, and you would know better than me, but I want to say Ali Sheba yeah. was running for the Triple Crown. 100%. And I had worked my way through. <laughs> like, I got right in. I had, like, my head peaked. I was, like, right at the finish line thinking I was going to witness history because it had been a minute at that point, right? Yes. So, um, yeah, I thought I was going to be uh, witnessing history. But that was my that was the one distinct memory I have, Ali Sheba. That's fantastic. How regular was was your family? Was it just on the big day, or would you go a bunch through the? We'd go on on the big day, and we would also do the harness racing thing. Um, and again, we, weekend trips to to OTV, which we weren't allowed to tell my mom about, but we were there. <laughs> she surely suspected something when you came back smelling, yeah, like smelling like cigarettes, right? <laughs> with a with a racing form all marked up. Oh, what kind of a what kind of a horse player? What was your dad? How do you how do you characterize? I don't think he was very good. I don't think he was very good. He I remember you know he's he's passed away, but he he had what he believed to be some system, which I don't know what it was. It was just a bunch of markings, and I don't know what he was doing. But he had a system, and uh, I just don't think it worked out very well. That's all. How about you? Now, some there's some famous stories of horse players who've learned what to do from their dads. Some famous stories of horse players who learned what not to do from their dads. How seriously do you do you take uh, to take the betting piece, the handicapping piece, when you go out there to a place like Santa Anita? You know what it is. More than anything, it's the competitive side that grabs me, right? So while yeah, of course, it's the idea is to win money, but I actually am one of those people that thinks I can like look at the horse, which I can't. Like, you know. <laughs> look at the horse and think okay he looks like he wants to run today which you know is of course based on nothing but i do i like to look at i like to watch him i like to watch him when they do their when they oh, do the their pass great. i like to watch him and uh and i'm not gonna lie i play i'm a little not superstitious but i'll play i'll play a hunch on a name you know if if i think you know for you you know i like to box you know i like that's my big that's my big move which is not i know nothing great but i like, to, <laughs> I like the old good old exacta box you throw a favorite in there and you pick uh you make an emotional pick yeah i mean it's it, it's about so much more you know some people take it obviously we take it pretty darn seriously around well, of here course, right? but we, yeah but we encourage people to do what's fun and to, to if you could turn it into a great day out and i think that a lot of the people listening watching are consider themselves ambassadors of racing and when you want to bring out new people giving them things that they can do to to just have an enjoyable day and cash a few tickets and have a good time. I mean, that's, that's when we first started going to the track. That's what it was all about. 
Yeah, and I think I think the misconception is that you somehow it's not like Vegas, right? We're like, well, I can't gamble. I don't have the money. You can literally go to the track with a hundred bucks and bet. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, the, I think the stigma of that, like that, it, that it's this like large amount of money to go to the track and have a good time, and it's not because really the fun part is when especially when you're at the track and you know you're talking to somebody and like hey who do you like and then you get together and then you're kind of rooting it's a, it's a, it's a actually an interesting way to bring people together you know no i about always it. feel like i meet new friends at the track yeah in the in the 90s i was betting six dollars a race and it didn't diminish the you know the, the thrill of it, right yeah, yeah exactly if you hit you hit you know and it's as long as you're you know gambling with money you can afford it, that you enjoy it right you obviously want to go home and go that was a we went to um you know, it was, it was, you'll know better than this. It was at Santa Anita. It was a, it was a few weeks ago and it was, there was some race where two of the, two of the, of the horses that got into the Derby, there was some race that yep. something. Santa Anita um, Derby, presumably. Probably. I'm that sounds about right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense going out on a limb there. Um, <laughs> but we just went and we sat down at the track and it was a beautiful day. We had a couple drinks. We ordered some food and we just, it just was a phenomenal, phenomenal day. We're like, we got to, something that we have to remember to do. Yeah. Right? yeah like I love that. that. We can do as, you know, so, you know, I'm going on father's day and, you know, I'm taking my brother-in-law, my sister, we're, we're now we're going as a family. We're going to make a, make a day out of it. So just like the old days, just like the old days, except we're going to be in a place, not in a, on a blanket, <laughs> uh, trying to find shade. Where do you like to hang out at Santa Anita? Um, and that chandelier room is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know it's funny. Like they just keep going up and up and like extravagance. I'm like, let's, let's chandelier room is good. <laughs> chandelier room is, is perfect. That's all we need is a chandelier room. Have you been in the speakeasy that's off, off the chandelier room? That that's a lot of fun. I've seen the speakeasy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's a million different, there's a million different places to hang out. Really what you want is easy access to the machines. Yeah. Right. A bathroom close by first. and a bar close by. And yeah. then from there, we're good. I love it. Knowing you mentioned you have a competitive spirit, got to get you into these, uh, the handicapping contests, these betting competitions that they're, they, they have a whole bunch of them at Santa Anita. It's like a poker tournament, but you're betting on horses. That, that, that seems like something that might be up your alley. Is that something that they're going to do on Father's Day? I wonder. That's a great question. They have a bunch of tournaments. I will, I will find out and get you the get you the scoop. But I mean, listen, if I if I'm there, I'm in. <laughs> it I'm would in. make sense as a closing day thing too. I'll I'll dig production meet. We'll have our production meeting uh, after the show for that one. Okay, I'll, let me know. I'll send you. I'll send you the scoop. But it's 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 a fun way to do it. And another way I know you've been involved in racing and the connection uh, that that lands you here today is our mutual friend Matt and the work he's doing over with Adelphi Racing Club. How did you get involved with the club? How and when did you get involved with the club? Well, I've known Matt for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, he's somebody, I just know how how into it he is. So basically I filter all my questions through Matt. Anytime something happens in the horse racing world, <laughs> Matt is like, uh, for me, the Stephen A. Smith of horse racing. Like I can call him like, yeah. When Rich Strike did what he did, I mean, I'm not stupid, right? Obviously, I know what what the the weight of what that was, but I just still needed to hear from somebody that knows more than me to help me, like, to understand if, if I saw that correctly, or am I crazy, or did something really <laughs> insane just happen? Um, so I've always had the interest, uh, and then you know Matt came around and he started offering us some opportunities to get involved, and you know he's he's obviously. He's cautiously optimistic, right? I mean, I guess you have to be that way when you're involved involved with horses, right? I guess there's no sure things or or whatever you want to say. But for me, again, to getting back to the, the competitive side of it, just the idea of going to the track and knowing that you have like a little bit of skin in a game, uh, a skin in the game of a race, you know, it's just like, I don't know, it just gets my adrenaline pump thinking about it. You know, the horse finished second, third, or 10th. When they go into that starting gate, you're going to feel like you're part of it, you know, and that's really something that I wanted to do. And I know you've had forays into horse ownership before. We'll get to those, but I want to talk a little bit more about Matt and the job he does. Cause one of the things that I'm really impressed with is the access that he gives you. You're, you're not just able to, to reach out to him or members of the team because oh, yeah. of your, you know, celebrity status or whatever. That's part of being in this club that you get this kind of access. And additionally, all kinds of great information in terms of the, the workout videos he sends around and the details. I love reports. the workout videos. It, it's fantastic. Yeah. 
it's pretty wild. Yeah, you know, um, the, the, the yeah, it's exactly. You get the emails, you get the videos, and also too, I, I, you know, just even in the last few months since I've been involved, I've really learned a lot about, you know, just terminology and you know, uh, you know, the three year olds and the two year olds, and, and just you know, it's it's uh, you start to go, oh yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like things you've been hearing, and um, to really kind of put it together and just be able to kind of get behind a a horse and be like quietly rooting for for a horse should we let to say the name of the, of, of the horse of course gem mint 10 not That's gonna be I the got. easiest one for race callers it's it sounds like a, a vocal exercise you do before you you know went on the air gem right. mint 10 gem mint 10 gem yeah. mint 10 like a crazy actor would do that before he's getting ready to do a scene gem mint 10 gem mint 10 yeah exactly they'll be they'll have to practice that one um but there's a couple of those what do you think of skippy long stocking I think it's a super interesting horse to me and one that, you know, I thought, I thought was, was sort of a clever idea in the Preakness to maybe get up in and underneath my issue looking at this Belmont stakes. And now granted we're several days out and, and, and things change. There could be a surprise entry at the last minute, but right now what I'm seeing is one horse that has speed in, in this horse, we, the people, and a bunch of horses that want to come from, from far back. And I know you've right. been around the track enough to know what happens when you only have one horse that wants to go to the lead. Typically, they go pretty well. So my eye is drawn I like there. We the People. Yeah. I yeah. like We the People. Um, and, you know, who knows what the, what the odds look like. And listen, you, you, you have to be quietly going, like, how great would it be to see Rich Strike do it again? <laughs> listen, obviously, obviously, stranger things have happened. Um, but I like this creative minister as well. I like That's the other minister. horse that I really like. I'm, that I'm that really would be interested. my pick right now. Okay, that would you're be leaning that pick. way. And I would, again, if I were doing my weird, my exacta box thing, I'll have a bunch of bets on this one. But I would go creative minister, and I'd probably throw uh, Barbara Road in there. He's a tough horse, you know. Right, just like, uh, I don't know. Maybe he in tries. the trifecta, some to win, place, or show. He, uh, he'll, I feel like he might, get, he might get dirty and get in there. I like it. We're going to have a ton of coverage on the whole pick six for Belmont Day on the network. We've got our live streaming final answer show, also sponsored by Adelphi. That's going to be on Wednesday night. And of course, loads of other stuff over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You are not making the trip to New York, but there, there's a rumor you might be making an East Coast uh, horse racing trip soon. Yeah, I mean, I would like to come see Gem Mint 10. Gem Mint 10, Gem Mint 10. I'd like to come see Gem Mint 10 run. So I don't know if that's going to be at Belmont but, or, or at Saratoga. Um, and Saratoga is always fun. You know, Kevin Dillon and I used to own a small piece of Ciro's. It's I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. That's on my that's on my list of on things. List. Yeah. How did how did that come about? Um, just uh, uh, our business manager knew someone from around there, and it, you know, it's fun. It, it, it you know the thing ultimately is that it's tough. It's it, it's open for such a short period of time. Yeah. You know, and it, and people do live over there. I, I don't I think the. You know, the neighbors are huge fans of, uh, of Ciro's, would be my guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, but uh, I can't wait to go to Ciro's and, and, and go to Saratoga. So, look, if, if, if Jim and 10 runs at the Belmont, great. If he runs at uh, Saratoga, even better. So. Yeah. It's it's going to be fun, and just to button up the, the 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 Adelphi conversation for this part of the show, I really do like. I think you made the point about how it really lets you get an insider's perspective, and then I also love the idea of of it being like a real club. You know, as I've I've read a bunch of ads when we say you know group of like minded people, and that ties in with your idea too about how you make friends at the track. It's like of course it can be people from completely other. Uh, d walks of life, whatever, different backgrounds, uh, whatever you want to say. Uh, and you can all talk about who you like in the double. And I, I, I like that. There's, there's not right. there's decreasing amount of places in life where you get the opportunity to just absolutely sort of like rub elbows like that with people. True. It's true. <laughs> so tell me about your original ownership experience. It's a horse. We've got some real, you know, down the rabbit hole, rabbit uh, racing fans out here. They'll remember this horse. What crown of thorns? Crown of thorns, yeah. Crown of thorns, yeah. So it, I was able to jump in on 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 crown of thorns, and uh, I guess he had gotten hurt, and they had a they had an they there was an out clause, and I chickened out and, and jumped ship. But crown of thorns went on to do pretty well. Crown of thorns went on to do pretty well, but uh, my my stake there was was rather. Did you? Brief. Did you 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 did you have regrets about that? Did it feel like some unfinished I, business that, that made you a little more interested in getting back in? Well, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I, the 
the the amount I invested was like, oh, you know, I wasn't like overly comfortable with it, gotcha. right? So gotcha. I was already second guessing it. So it was kind of like, all right, like just did the quick grab back. So you but, know, sometimes that's what you got to do. So if, yeah, if, of course, you know, uh, it went on to make a bunch of money, and I would have made money, but that's another story. Yeah, that's all. That's, that's for another podcast. All horse racing people have that story. The right. the, the, the woulda coulda shoulda. You're no totally. stranger. No stranger to that. I want to let folks know a little bit more about what's going on on your podcast network because, you know, you definitely have some stuff in the sports, in the area of sports that I think people would be particularly interested in. What what are you excited about that you've worked on recently? Uh, well, we did a we did a 10 part um, one off podcast called Bust the Ryan Leaf Story. And I don't know, you know, depending on how old you are, if you remember, you know, he was you know drafted in 98 alongside. uh Peyton Manning. And he was a can't uh, was, miss. Yeah, he was a can't miss, right? So, um, and his trials and tribulations and like a rise and, and crash and, 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 and rising again from the ashes. So we did that and we're really, really, really proud of that. Um, and we're looking to turn that into a TV show. Um, we're excited about that. And then it's funny because we do a show called No Gruffs Given, which is Sean Avery. Which, uh, yeah. you know, of course, you know, I, I get I hate mail from Islander fans. Like, how could you? <laughs> how could you? They're so, just, they're so like devastated that I would work with Sean, who I've known for, you know, 15 years and is actually a friend of mine. He's actually not a bad guy either. He's a good dude. But, um, you know, to Islander fans, it's like unforgivable. That that. But um, he's got a good podcast. You should check that one out, too. That's awesome. It, it is funny. They're not bad people just because they put on that sweater. I, I just can't root for them while they're in it. It's, it's just hard. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's hard to think of that Ranger jersey. That's for sure. Especially now. But that's not story. Oh, well, that we can we can go there for a minute. I'll tell you my so, you know, obviously grew up Islander fan like yourself, you know, loathing the Rangers. Coach Quinn, good friend of a friend. So for a couple of years there, I decided especially and it was much easier because they were having their struggles. And obviously we were good. But but I decided, you know, with him at the helm, I'm not going to I'm not going to go too that far out of my way with my Ranger hate because, you know, this guy's a friend of friend. He seems like a good dude. Team has right. some likable players. And then, of course, you know, they, they get rid of him and, and now they go on this run. And, and frankly, I hate them more than ever. Yeah. You know, it, it's true, though. I think that's, you know, it, people have a hard time separating the fan part from the actual individual. Right. So I, I, I've, I've had that happen where I've run into guys that play for like other teams and you walk up, you end up going home going like, he's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> I've cursed at him endlessly on television. He's the nicest guy in the world. Literally, he's like, "Hey, man, if you ever need tickets for the game," and we're I'm like, "Oh, wow, wow, okay." I've been cursing at you forever, and here you are offering me tickets. You know, so they're really for the most part, you know, all such nice guys. You know, especially hockey guys. Hockey players are particularly nice. There's yes, no, they there's, are. There's no two ways about it. I think it comes down to like the amount of effort it takes to play that sport from like yeah. a very from like a very young age. I think it builds some sort of shared sense of community or something. Cause it's uncommon. Even the famous ones tend to be like people you can have a conversation with more so than I found with athletes and other sports. Is that your experience too? I am. Me too. I, I mean, I even, I'm still always marveled by the handshake still to this, to this day, you know, you watch it, you're like, okay, you're waiting to see like two guys that have been trying to kill each other for seven games. You're like waiting to see them not shake hands and then they shake hands. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. So, you know, but I also think, a lot of these guys are just from, you know, blue collar roots and, and have had to work really hard. I mean, every professional athlete does, but uh, yeah, hockey players are good dudes and good golfers. <laughs> How important is your sports fandom to you these days? I mean, you've got so much of your own stuff going on, so much rooting for yourself to do. How like died in the wool are you for the, for the teams? The, the yeah. Sport? I mean, I, listen, I, I just love sports, right? So whatever, whatever's going, you know, I, I love it. You know, the interesting thing that I, it's, it's happening to me is I have a one-year-old daughter now and it's, you know, I'm such a, I live in LA, an Islander fan, Yankee fans. It's like a big sloppy mess of teams. <laughs> I'm thinking seriously about raising my daughter all LA. <laughs> that's controversial. That, that's controversial. But <laughs> just like, she's not going to be a Dolphins fan. She can't. Talk about a, a topic for another podcast. Right? How <laughs> how you and, and me too, as a youth, ended up rooting for the Dolphins. That's, she, it's, it's a strange thing. can't. I want her to be Rams, Dodgers, Kings, <laughs> Lakers. That's it. All LA. So that's that's uh, that's my struggle right now with sports. 
It's a great sports town. I love that you love Santa Anita. I imagine you'll get yourself down to, to Del Mar some too this year, hopefully with your, hopefully. Your, yeah. Hopefully I've family. definitely been uh, re re bitten by the bum. So whenever, whenever we can, we'll start with father's day and see how that goes. Got to get it. everybody hooked on it. And then we, then we can take family trips. That's the plan. That's, that's a great plan. This was so much fun, man. Yes. And obviously we'll have, you know, this horse to talk about and uh, hopefully other occasions to catch up throughout the year, but really enjoyed getting your Thanks. perspective and, and hearing a little bit more about the action park network. And of course, talking all about our friends at Adelphi racing. Perfect. And when, when Jim mint 10 is getting ready to run, we should jump back on and, uh, and, and do a little, do a little rundown on Jim mint. Let's do it, my friend. Kevin Connolly, right. thank you so Sounds much good. for your thank time you so today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at the Breeders' Cup. Be sure to check out the three upcoming Breeders' Cup Challenge Series win and your in-races from Belmont Park on Belmont Day, Saturday, June 11th. Live coverage starts at 5 p.m. Eastern on NBC for the Hillendale Metropolitan Handicap, the Met Mile, the Ogden Phipps, and the Jiper. Winners of these races will receive an automatic spot in the starting gate for the big-ass fans, Dirt Mile, the Longines Distaff, and the Turf Sprint, respectively. We look forward to highlighting these Breeders' Cup Challenge Series races across the In The Money Media Network. Next up on the show, very excited to present a segment about the upcoming Women's Racing Summit. And to talk about it with us today, we have actually a returning guest to the show. You were on our NHC preview show a few years ago, Shona Rotundo. Shona, how are things? Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to great to be here. Things are great. I want to talk to you about how you got involved in this exciting idea. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, so actually, I was a late addition to the planning committee. I received a survey from the group that was just putting it on, kind of starting the, the process of everything and wanted to understand the response from women in racing and kind of what they hoped to achieve. And the minute I got the email, I, I called Jody Bella Gregory right away and I said, I need to be involved. Like, how do I get involved? What can I do? Um, you know, are there any, any gaps that you need filled? You know, consider me, me in. So um, she added me to the next planning committee call and it's been nonstop ever since. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's a big event and definitely a lot goes into the planning of something like this, but let's take a step back and explain to folks who don't know the, the basic basics. What is it and when is it? Yes. Okay. So uh, what it is, is an opportunity, really our mission statement is basic. It's connecting and empowering women in racing and horse racing. So that can take a lot of different forms. So if you, it, it depends on where you are in your involvement with the industry. So if you, let's say you're just graduated college and you want to get into racing. So we, you know, we can definitely connect you with the right people who can help you um, start your journey into, into racing. Um, let's say you've been in the industry for a long time. Maybe you're an, ex you're on the executive level or you work at a, at a racetrack or in a breeding farm. And you want to just, you want to take the next step. You want to advance your career. You want to see at the table where the decisions are, are being made. We want to help you get there. So we want to connect you with women who have been through that journey, who know the right steps to take to get prepared and become, you know, make yourself, you know, eligible for that sort of position and, and also go, and to go for it, you know, to really just, you know, pull the trigger and say, hey, consider me and, and, uh, and here's what I have to offer. Um, and similarly, if let's say you're someone who's in an ownership or, you know, looking to get into ownership, how do you start that journey? How do you evolve throughout that journey? So I think what we want to create is a mix of, um, people who come, who can come together, women who can come together, not just women, you know, men are welcome as well. I think it, it takes an army, right. To, to affect change, but just bring people together to, to figure out how do we get, um, these paths you know, made more clear for women who are, who are looking to, to take them, whatever journey it is that they're, that they're on. I like your emphasis on what essentially sounds like a version of networking. I mean, celebrating achievements is great. Having panels discussing issues and experiences is great. I don't know if that's going to be part of the program itself, but the idea that right from the jump, you're thinking about next level and actionable stuff. I think that sounds like a really sharp play because how often, you know, one of the frequently asked questions that we get from, from people, uh, women and men is how can I get, you know, I love racing. How can I get more involved? How can I turn this 
avocation into vocation. The idea that you, you're, you're catering to those people and then also helping people along their journeys by introducing the people that can, you know, open doors and, and answer questions for them. I want to get more into that realm of things, but let's talk about the, the, the when and the specifics of what the program looks like. Yeah. A hundred percent. So the when is important. The reason that we announced, we, we announced uh, just this past weekend, put our press release out. We had a um, TVG did a, a great interview with Stephanie Horanis and Jody Avella Gregory. Gregory. We thank them very much for, for doing that for us. Um, we really just want to get the dates on everyone's radar. So it's September 28th to 30th. So it's a, it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So the schedule is still being developed. There's a little bit that we're still trying to work out. So we'll be announcing exactly what that's going to involve, as well as ticket pricing and sales and things like that, panelists. But it essentially will be Wednesday evening reception. Then we'll have Thursday a keynote speaker, panel, some breakout sessions. Um, and then Friday, there's a couple other things going on in the morning. Um, there's the, the Fashionable Phillies Luncheon, which is a, a separate event, but something that you could kind of tie into the experience. There's obviously incredible racing at Santa Anita that weekend. So we're putting together the package of what that would look like. But the, the key, the, the meat of the experience is going to be Wednesday night and Thursday in, those, um, in that keynote and uh, the breakout sessions and panels. If my math is right, which it sometimes is, that's going to be some key uh, Breeders' Cup prep action that weekend at Santa Anita, right? So yeah, for Saturday. Yeah, excellent excuse for people from, from across the country to go. As far as the program specifically go, do you, do you have – how's that working? Are you still like ideating on on – ideas of what topics are going to be do you have anything you can you can share give us a peek behind the curtain yeah so well we our keynote speaker is susan packard um she's incredible she is uh she, she's written multiple books she's in, incredibly effective at uh, kind of inspiring women you know for for this very purpose we, we wanted to go with somebody who was outside of the industry i think that adds really great perspective you know i think that the the like the building blocks to how to you know affect change or again it's it's all about empowering connecting women so those building blocks are transferable regardless of the industry so I think someone like Susan who's really dedicated her life to um, to helping helping women in in, in those situ situations uh, and just being like a powerhouse female herself I think it would be great to hear from her. But then the nuts and bolts of how to do it, that's on us, right? So that's where you, know, you come, you, you listen to how other women have done it, you listen to Susan, you get inspired, and then it's, you know, it's time to get to work. So that's really what our panels are going to be focused on, um, not just what needs to be done, but, but also how do we do it? And I don't think that we're under the, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have any like illusion that we're going to just have it all right perfectly. But I think that we just want to start somewhere. And I think it's really important to bring women in the industry from all different facets of the industry together. Um, and that's really where it's going to start, right? Like that's where those sparks are going to start flying. And we say, okay, here's what we have to do. Um, you know, let's set this timeline of, of what we want to do next. And so I kind of see the summit as being an opportunity to start those conversations. And then over time, you'll really see some actionable results coming out of it. How did the idea come about? You mentioned uh, Stephanie Hronis. Do you know what, obviously we'll have her on at some point to tell the story herself, but from what you understand, like, was there a particular eureka moment as far as the need for such an event? There definitely was a eureka moment. So Stephanie, I, I, we had invited her on today. She was flying. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to tell her story. Uh, I won't do it justice, but they, you know, I, from what I understand last year, they had an event um, focused you know, mostly on owners. It was, it was something that was in partnership with the TOC and it just was so effective and empowering. And, and the team just thought maybe there's a, you know, there's more to this. So they sent the survey out and the response was incredible. Hundreds of women responded and said, let's do this. Like we, you know, we're, we're interested. And so I think that was the eureka moment that they decided, okay, let's let's try to make this a little bit bigger. Let's let's get you know some sponsors, a budget, a team, um, and from that point forward, it's just been weekly meetings with the planning committee, just trying to figure out you know how do we get this inaugural event in place, make it really effective, impactful. I think we want to go, you know, 
like smaller, a little bit more intimate and just, just really get it right. And then continue for sure to grow it over time, I think is the goal. But, you know, we want people to go to this and feel like, okay, they're, they're taking away something, you know, big. That's terrific. And you had mentioned an excellent example from your own experience that is, you know, not the, the main idea or anything of, of what you're looking to accomplish here, but I just thought it was a good example of how putting people together like this could be helpful. Yeah. So I recently just purchased my first horse through a syndicate. I've uh, owned horses in the past through show jumping, you know, throughout my life, but this is my first uh, personal from my, my own bank account uh, experience with racehorse ownership. And I, like, I feel embarrassed to say that I don't know how to get an owner's license. Like I know that I'm eligible now to do so, but I don't even know where to start. And I just think that it's to be, to, to be someone in the industry where I'm like the head of marketing at my racehorse and like ran the social media company, Grand Slam Social, and have been around racing so long to the fact that I don't know how to do it is like a red flag. <laughs> like if I don't know, then someone who's not involved how are they going to know? How do they have any chance? Exactly. And I don't want to be going around asking people and kind of feeling embarrassed about it. So if I had a network of women just to say, you know, hey, who should I go to if I want to understand a little bit more about the ownership journey? Like I'm just getting started. What are what are the things I should look out for? How do I navigate this? What are, you know, something as simple as, you know, what what what's the experience like in these syndicates versus these syndicates? And if I want to go, you know, big and be a private owner, who, what's the great bloodstock agent to get connected with? So, you know, I think there's, there's just so much opportunity to really educate, you know, people and, and, and women who are looking to get involved on all different types of uh, all different parts of the industry, whether it's ownership, whether it's, you know, race, you know, working at the racetrack, um, whether it's aftercare, maybe you want to start your own aftercare facility. How do you do it? So I think those are the kinds of things that we want to we want to figure out, and we really want to make it a re, like a reinvestment back into the industry, um, and looking for just kind of opening the doorways to make that happen. Well, it's a great idea. We're going to be hearing a lot more about it on the on these airwaves as we get closer, and it's something I know personally. You know, my life's insane, but I'm going to try to block out those days and 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 get out there and you know, be, be a, you know, fly on the wall, see what it's all about. And you gave the great ownership example uh, as something sort of writ small, this could help with. I mean, I think there's probably fans out there who want to get more involved on the, on the media side or writing about racing and have questions about, about how to do it. And, and, you know, in your journey, working with the team show, and if there's other ways that we can help over here, let us know, because I think it's a, a great cause and something that could, can only, you know, enrich our community at large, you know, it's historically known as a, a, you know, very male endeavor for whatever reasons, but doesn't have to be that way as you and so many others have proved. And I, I love the idea of creating some runway for others to go on similar journeys. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, we like, we want men to be part of the solution too. Like it's not, you know, it's not this, you know, male bashing kind of we're in this corner, you're in that corner. Like yeah. we just, we want to bring as many people together who can kind of help help with this effort. Um, and I think that obviously having so many men at, at the at the helm of a lot of, of racing businesses that they should be part of the conversation. We encourage it. Sure. Um, I did want to, I just, I want to keep reiterating. It's the, it's September 28th to the 30th. Um, basically if you, if you, if you're interested, you want to get involved, we have our, our mailing list since Saturday is, is exploding. Like I'm, I'm so excited about this. Um, but if you go to womeninracingsummit.com, there is a button that you can click and it will sign you up for our mailing list. And we will be reaching out to give you information about the schedule as it comes to be, panelists as they get added. Um, we'll be updating the website regularly. And then, of course, when tickets go on sale, we'll, we'll do a big push. So, um, you know, we're grateful to be able to share that this exists at this point. And we, we wanted everyone to just mark their calendars for September 20th to the 30th, knowing that it's at Santa Anita Park, kind of try to at least figure out how to get their schedule to work to work with that, you know, that timeline, that date. And then we're just going to start sharing as much information as we can as it becomes available. And um, always, you know, happy to communicate directly with anybody who's interested in, in getting involved. I mean, we're going to need volunteers and sponsors and um, you know, obviously right now focused on panelists. So there's, there's a lot of work to be done, but we're, we're excited for it. 
it's exciting stuff, so I get it. Do me a favor. I'll screw it up if I just try to remember it. If you text me the the URL, I'll make sure to pop that in the show notes so people can access that very, very easily. Last question before I let you go. How's your own horse playing going? Any chance we're going to see you out in uh, in, in Las Vegas uh, next March? Oh, I know. Um, I think that... Uh... The, the, the challenge is different when you have a, a toddler running around. I don't know <laughs> no if I'm able to handicap as, as much as I, um, as, as much as I'd like to, I think like every time I set aside time for it, I'm like, Oh, okay, she's napping. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the form. And then suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm passed out on the couch or, or whatever. So um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm just taking a slight pause, but hopefully get back, back in the game. I miss it. I miss it a ton. Um, and I'm even, you know, I think what's interesting and really cool about the the women's summit planning committee is that we, there's a voice for so many different types of women in racing. So you have Stephanie Hieronis, who is, you know, an owner, she's, she's part of the TOC, Toba, she's on all these boards, um, like just so involved, uh, in, in a lot of things. And, and some of the owners look up to, then you have Jody Vela Gregory, who works, with first racing and she's done so much for the, you know, the backstretch workers and, you know, just part of the office of innovations there. So just trying to figure out kind of cool, innovative things to do. So she's really the voice of, of kind of the racetrack side, the, the backstretch side. Um, you have myself who's just lives and breathes like horse ownership. How do we get new people into the game? Just my involvement in my you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, new owners, bringing them into the game and things like that. Um, but I also obviously, you know, one of the, the limited number of female uh, NHC players. So having uh, had that accomplishment under my belt, I think that, you know, the horse player, the female horse player is definitely on, on my mind as well. So um, and you have Catherine Sharp, who ran Equestricon. I mean, she learned so much from from putting that on. So we have someone who really knows the nuts and bolts of, of actually running an event like this. So obviously that was a much larger scale, but it's just cool kind of having people, um, Kelly Hill, she works in real estate, but she's a horse owner. So we have a lot of people from different backgrounds that um, are really kind of fairly advocating for, for women from a bunch of different perspectives. It's going to be great. September 28th through 30th are the dates. Santa Anita is the place you can find the link in the show notes to get on the mailing list. We're going to be talking about it more. Shona, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Pete. It was, I hope we'll be back and definitely bring Stephanie on at some point. But uh, we're, we're so happy to uh, just at least talk about our event with you. Would, would love to hear from Stephanie. I've been wanting to get uh, Jody on the show for years. One of the good people in the game for sure. Gotta have Jody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be talking soon. Thanks a lot. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at BetMakers. Fixed Odds Betting, powered by BetMakers, is back in effect at Monmouth Park, and the early returns are fantastic, with 70% of winners paying more with the fixed odds than they are on the tote. Soon, fixed odds wagering is going to be available throughout the state. This is an exciting new way to bet that puts the power to get value right in your hands because the odds you bet are the odds you get. You're going to be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network. Next up on the show, a familiar face and voice to help us recap what's been a few huge weeks of uh, top-level racing over in Japan. He works for Woodbine, but here he is representing our friends at the JRA. He's Klaus Ebner. Klaus, what's going on? Good, people. What's going on? How are you? Things are good. How was your trip to Sweden? You've been, you've been away for a minute. We had... Candace on the shows, you know, very ably uh, substituting for you, but we missed you. Well, you know, it's again, it's good to have uh, other people that can do the job as well. And uh, Candace was a, a more than willing substitute, so and more than more than competent and capable, so allowed me to have a few days off. Let's just say that. And and Sweden was fun. You had a good time over there. Yeah, I did. It's uh, it's a for those of you that haven't been to Sweden before, it's uh, I can highly suggest it. Uh, the weather is a little chilly. Uh, as it was there when I was there, I think it was again. I'm not, I'm not sure what it was in uh, Fahrenheit, but I think it was, uh, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 degrees so Celsius. So it's not, uh, you know, balmy, but you know, hey, it's a t-shirt and a light jacket or sweater weather, so it's uh, it's all good. Yeah, so 50, you know, 10, 10 is about 50, I think, from my time in the, in the UK, go. where it was 
it was for, you know, the three months I was there, it was basically 10 and rainy every single day, at least from, uh, at least from October through October, November and, and, and December. But I wanted to bring you on to talk about this, this last few weeks of racing in Japan, not least because we had some Breeders' Cup win and you're in action last uh, late uh, Saturday, early Sunday. And, you know, Candace said she thought there was a, a real chance of getting some cross-pollination from this race into the Breeders' Cup if the results went the right way. Uh, how does it look after the fact? Tell us about how it all, all went down. Yeah, so on the weekend, we actually had uh, a Philly win the uh, the big race in the form of uh, Songline. So Songline, I guess most familiar to those that uh, were watching the Saudi Cup or the Saudi Cup part of racing that day, she won the uh, – it was the 1351 turf sprint, whatever that was. And they think it's the exact distance of the sprint. So, you know, this is kind of within her wheelhouse, that being, you know, anywhere from uh, six furlongs to a mile to her distance. Uh, and I think the biggest thing you can take away from it is that, you know, that the connections, I know you're not kind of talking off air a little bit, but the connections of Sunday racing don't uh, shy away from sending their horses overseas. You know, they, they do have horses running at Ascot uh, next week. Uh, they've also had sent their horses to Dubai and also Saudi. So this is certainly a contingent of, of ownership group or syndicate, if you will, uh, that certainly have no issue sending their horses overseas. So it's quite possible you could see uh, Songline in the uh, British Cup mile. And you can also could see the, the runner-up, who I think more importantly would probably be more uh, likely to show up in the, uh, the British Cup mile. That would be uh, Schnell Meister, who, you know, he had a disappointing, I think, eighth or ninth uh, place finish in the Dubai turf. Just didn't shot fire that day as the favorite, but uh, came back and yet again has some problems in terms of traffic. But uh, I think those two are the real deal, and uh, those two will be the ones you primarily should see uh, come across the shores to uh, Breeders' Cup. Let's turn our attention to the classic generation, the three-year-olds, as in subsequent weeks we had both the Japanese Oaks and the Japanese Derby. Would love to get a recap of those results from you and uh, maybe a, a, a prediction about how strong these classes are going to be going forward. Maybe a name to keep in mind as the, the, the racing season unfolds. Yeah, so in the uh, in the Derby, let's start with the Derby first. We had uh, a horse by the name of Doduce. Doduce was my heart's cry out of a uh, vindication mare. So uh, he put in a, a, a very good performance, uh, had some trouble, and had a bad draw in the, uh, in the 2000 Guineas. So he closed uh, with a rush that day. I, I thought he had a huge shot, and sure enough, came back and, and won by a neck over a very good horse in the form of Equinox. So, you know, out of, out of the race, I think those two are the real deal. I, I you know, the, the horse that won the 2000 Guineas being Geoglyph also was in there. Yep. He ran his race. I just, you know, he just to me, it, it seemed to me that uh, the son of Dre Fong was a little bit distant challenging here, so didn't really want any part of the mile and a half, and sure enough, you know, you had two horses in the form of Deuce Equinox that kind of battled it to the wire. Both kind of sat towards the rear of the pack, made the, made the kick. And, you know, Tokyo placed that sort of move where, you know, if you sit mid-pack to, to late, you know, further back in the field and make your make your run, uh, they'll fan out wide. And then if they're good enough, they can get the job done usually at Tokyo. So Makes sense. And and, and what about the other, uh, the other three-year-old race? Uh, how did that yeah. one turn out? Uh, so that one there was, again, was the Oaks and, uh, it was, it was actually quite an interesting race for me is that in terms of, and I know we're talking about it a little bit before when we kind of did the, the digest on this, but just how, you know, a lot of the horses were drawn out wide, but, you know, uh, it was, you know, the, the triple crown is, or the triple tiara rather is still online as stars on earth. Uh, she, she won the, the Oka show, which is the 1000 guineas, which is a mile race. And she came back here and, and won. I say fairly impressively winning here in the Oaks. So uh, she has a chance to, uh, to, to have a shot in the, uh, in the, the triple tier in Japan. I don't think we'll see her, you know, stateside, nor will we see a Doduce, uh, you know, uh, of Doduce. We, there is talk about him or Equinox possibly going to the, uh, to, Breeders, to the arc rather. Um, so, you know, because there's no triple crown on the line anymore for the Colts, but you know, in terms of Star on Earth, there's a chance for her to win the Triple Tierra. So we certainly won't see her stateside, but she'll go for the uh, the last jewel. Of yeah, when is that? When is the last jewel of the Triple Tierra? Yeah, so that'll be uh, mid-October, roughly, is when, okay. when, we'll, when we'll have the last jewel. So both the, the Colts and the uh, Phillies run their last jewel uh, towards the, the middle to end of October. 
What do we have coming up in terms of the JRA calendar? What do the next couple months look like? So as it stands right now, we you know we only get 24 race dates from the JRA, and they give us all of their grade one dates, which is great. You know, we certainly want more, and I know I'm continuing to push to have more you know, more JRA racing available in North America. Uh, but as it stands right now, we only get 24 race dates, that being all of their big grade one uh, races or group one races. So we only have one more race before we kind of take a bit of a hiatus. But it is a big one. That's being the uh, Takarazuka Keenan, which is sort of the uh, summer or spring. Uh, year, that sort of mid, mid-year championship race, uh, mile and three-eighths or 2,200 meters. And we're going to see all, a lot of the top uh, top older horses and, and horses in Japan running that race. Uh, we'll see if a four-year comes back in that race and see if he can bounce back after that lackluster effort from the last start. Uh, and again, we'll see some of the, the cream of the crop, if you will, in Japan. Um, but what's interesting, and again, we talked about it a little bit before, is I, I do want to see how uh, both Grenadier Guards and uh, – uh, Sharia uh, do it do an Ascot next week, so that yeah. should be interesting to see how they do in both their respective races. When is when is that next uh, Group One that we're going to have? Is it it's it's uh, this weekend? Uh, no, it'll be uh, well, it'll, it'll be the week at week of the twenty fifth. So okay. that's, uh, that's the that's the when the race should be. Actually, I'll, I'll make sure that I'm, I don't speak there. Now, have I, do you have any sense from this far out, or will I reach out to you later to get your sense of how these Japanese runners are going to fit at Ascot? See, uh, I, I've never been. I, I think Grenadier Guards has, has a better shot than uh, Charrier. Uh, Charrier, in, in my opinion, I, again, I'm, I'm still not sold on this horse being a mile, a mile and a half horse. He did it over a very uh, hard surface uh, in Dubai, and if that track at all comes up any any on any side of soft, I, to me, he's a throwout. He's been gotcha. anytime he's he's run over a soft ground. That's why for me it was just. Uh, and I'm not going to question any owners to, to try a you know, world-class event, but when they said they're sending him over there for that event, it was for me more of a shock just because of his lack of uh, ability on, on a soft surface. So if it comes up any, any form of, you know, softer than good, I, 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 he's a toss in my book. In my opinion. I'll probably check back in with you next week to see, to see what you think about the, the other race, but it does sound you're, like you're a lot more sanguine about the other runner's chances. Yeah, again, I, I think he's a. Uh, am I saying he's not a good colt? No, I think he's a great colt, uh, but I just don't think that this uh, this ground is going to favor him in terms of uh, what he's going to see at Ascot. Again, if, it could be you know a hot summer's day and the the ground is you know more towards good to firm or firm, but I don't know. I just think that uh, you know if again if it's if it's a softer softer ground, he's not going to like it very much. Which races are they both pointing to? Uh, I know Sharier is uh, is in the King George against the big okay. boys, uh, and I, I I have to get it for you. I apologize, but I wish I uh, wish I knew this ahead of time. I would have made sure I had the right race. But uh, sorry, sorry. I, I will bring you back know. on to talk about it next. I'll get you know, or I'll talk to you offline and share the info on one of our on one of our, our daily um, ask it pods we're doing. We're going to be doing just just got sorted today. Actually, we're going to be doing shows for all five days. So. There's going to be tons of coverage here for, for the ASCIT meeting. We're going to have extra stuff on the plus service as well. Just got word that uh, Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, will be giving some daily thoughts uh, for the plus people. And then we're going to have five public facing pods. Haven't finalized the talent for it, but it sounds like Nick Luck will be involved. Naomi's going to host a couple of the days because I'm obviously going to be running around. I'm hopefully going to be doing sky for, for all five days. And, and I have, uh, especially with the slightly smaller U.S. contingent this year. I've told them that, you know, I know everything about the Japanese horses. And, and by I know everything about them, I know that Klaus knows everything about them. And, and I'm just going to call you. So hopefully you don't mind. Uh, so actually it's the – so uh, Sharier is going the Prince of Wales. And uh, Grenadier Guards is going in the uh, Platinum Jubilee on the side. Okay. So, so that's that's where they are. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it all – we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll see if there's any extra info on that. We'll check back with you. There won't be stuff – for a couple of weeks from you on the Saturdays over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. But when they get back up and running and for the remainder of the JRA dates of the year, we'll have coverage on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And we'll have somebody from the team on these late week shows to talk about stuff as well. Uh, until then, Klaus, uh, have a have a good one. And, uh, you know, warm up. up there. You don't often get to say warm up in, in Toronto, but this is, this is <laughs> one of those times we get to do that. And uh, we look forward to having you back soon. Thanks very much, Pete. Have a good one.
That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'd like to thank uh, Klaus and we'll thank Shona and we'll thank Kevin. The great having them on. Thanks to our sponsors of today's show, Adelphi Racing Club and our other sponsors as well. Really appreciate all the support. We appreciate the support of our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. Love to root for the purple and black. Going to get to hang out with uh, Marshall Graham this weekend at Belmont. That's always a ton of fun. And of course, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Lots of cool stuff cooking with them. Check out our page, trfinc.org slash players. Lots of great info on there about how you can get involved and how you can help. And maybe even a bottle of whiskey or two left if you make the right kind of donation. Good stuff to have in tow as we get ready to wrap up the Triple Crown season and move on to the summer meets. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. The viewers, too, if you're catching us on YouTube. Do us a favor. Easiest thing you can do to help us out, rate, review, subscribe, leave comments in the money media on YouTube or in the money media on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We'll thank one final thank you to producer Craig for doing a great job putting this show together. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.